Hey, this is Dave Pryor. Welcome to Leading Agile Sound Notes. I'm here with Jeff Howie. Jeff, say hi to everybody. Hello, everyone. And this is going to be a podcast. We're sort of trying to treat it like it's an audio version of a Medium article. <laughs> so we're going to give it a special title. Five things you can do to make sure you maximize the value you get out of training. How does that sound? Is that good, Jeff? I really like that one, yes. Okay. So um, what is the first thing that a company should do in order to make sure that, I mean, obviously we'd like to do training for anybody, but to make sure that they really get value out of it, what's the first thing they should try to do? To your point, yes. Anyone who wants to just spend money and send people to training, feel free to do <laughs> so because we're, we're good <laughs> trainers. We have great information. But honestly, if, if you want to maximize your value, <laughs> I think that if you know what problem you're trying to solve, that'd be a really great place to start and, and tie it back to, something internally as an organization you you just want to fix you want to improve you want to know more about get the problem defined yeah i think in the same way that we would say to anybody like don't just transform to agile just to transform to agile like it has to fix a problem i think that if you just send people off to training that might be kind of not the best use of your company's funds or your people's time because if you don't know why they're there it's a lot of it's not going to stick and it's just going to be time that's not put to use, not, not well spent. You could have done other things with it. Um, and no, if you don't know why they're there, they won't know why they're there. <laughs> they don't either. Right. Yeah. So we're, so that so number one was know what problem you're trying to solve. Um, knowing people knowing why they're there, I think is a really big deal. I, I can't count the number of times I get people in class. I'm like, why are you here? And they're like, they made me come. And they don't even know why. They, they just made them come because their boss told them to. Like, there's no reason behind it. Yep. And those people do not get value out of the class. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. Yep. So in the same way that just uh, maybe like it's sort of echoing the Agile Manifesto with building, you know, teams around highly motivated individuals, send people to class who actually want to go to class, who actually want to be there, who want to learn the thing that, that you're sending them for. And if you have a problem you're trying to solve, make sure they understand how this fits into that equation. I think um, if you set the, so you set the context, what's the problem we're trying to solve? That lets you set some goals for what to get out of the training. It's not that I just spent, you know, eight hours or 16 hours in training classes. There's some goal that's tied to coming out of that, right? Yeah. I mean, in, in all the CSM and CSPO classes, the, the students define some acceptance criteria for the class, but having a goal coming out of the training that they could follow up with would be really good too. Something that they can put together as a result of this training, I will be able to do what in the next you know number of weeks. Absolutely. And um, some way, I don't know, what do you think about making it some sort of uniform thing where like the PMO would be reporting up, like our goals for people going through this training are X? So well, that's actually a really good idea that I think a lot of organizations we work with, they do, right? It's, it's not just about I sent X number of people to training. It's in a lot of cases, it's tied to things like career progression Maybe they have X number of headcount for new product owners or scrum masters. They need to, uh, you know, retain people, grow their skills, but be able to transition them into these new roles. Um, there's something I'm sure a lot of organizations are trying to attach training, education, learning, skill development to their overall transformation initiatives. 
or increasing throughput, backlog clarity, all these different things that you could tie your metrics to. Did we, by sending people to training, improve uh, throughput? Did we increase you know, clarity in the backlog? Did we reduce cycle time or rework? Those are some great metrics. Yeah, you, get, you made me think of something else too. If I am the company thinking about the people that work here, I mean, it's obviously more expensive to replace somebody than to keep them, but did we demonstrate to the employees that we're investing in them and their growth? Absolutely. Right? Because yeah. that, that pays back for the company, but it's also a great gesture to make towards an employee. It's, it's not only that, but I think, you know, kind of from the management side, there's, there's almost some kind of a, I know a lot of, you know, departments have budgets for training. I think in some organizations, there's a, almost a fiduciary responsibility to invest and ensure career growth and education yeah. for people that, you know, it's even above and beyond like the go to, go to college kind of education. It's just continuing education within some discipline to make sure that you're continuing to grow. You've got some kind of progression path, all of those opportunities. Yeah. And it's sort of like, this could be a metric looked at in both directions. Like I would want to see the company investing in the people, but also the people investing their time and raising their skill. There's sort of like a mutual investment there. You know, and everybody getting better. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So now the one that's my biggest pet peeve, um, make time for people to go to the train. <laughs> Training. One of the things I always say when people are going to take the CSM and CSPO is like, this is all you're going to do for two days. Like you need to make sure that you are clear to spend time. And every single class, there's like somebody who's like, yep, I'm totally cleared. It's just that my boss is going to be sending me Slack messages every seven minutes about some thing. And I have to be able to respond to all of them and also watch this server to make sure it doesn't go down. Yep. Absolutely. And that is not okay. You're not going to be able to get the certification that way. Um, even beyond that, like I've noticed, especially over the last year or so with a lot of transition to, you know, remote work, not being face-to-face, -face, all of this virtual world that uh, there, there are very frequently times where people, they feel obligated to multitask yeah. because they're getting email messages or they're on call for support. Uh, I had an entire team who was scheduled for training this coming Wednesday let me know Friday afternoon. Oh, they have a conflicting, it's like a production support conversation. Can I please train them at a different time on Tuesday kind of thing? And so, um, you know, you're able to work through those as a trainer, but if it's something you've been working and you're trying to schedule for 30 people across multiple departments of an organization, if it's a private training or you've yeah. got set times for public training, uh, I think setting the expectation, this is what you're doing. This is your job for whether it's a two or four hour workshop or it's, you know, two full days of training. Absolutely. Well, I mean, and think about the cost of it because it's not just the cost of the training itself. It's the cost of those people not working. Right. So you're pulling people off out of the game for two days or however long you're spending all the money on the class and then to send them to the class and not let them really do what they're supposed to do in the class. That's just an unsound investment. I think. It is, and the other is, especially if you've got a group that you're training and they're involved in interactive workshops and collaboration, which most of our classes are highly yeah. built around anymore, it's not fair to the team, right, that's working yep. together. And uh, so, so I think just, yeah, making time to go is, is one of the big things. I think there's some other components about not just making time, but uh, getting the right people to go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Okay, so so far we got one more, but I want to recap what we have so far. So identify the problem you're trying to solve with the training. Um, make sure that the people who are being sent actually want to be there and know why they're there. Identify uh, what your goals are for the training and for the people who attend it. Block out the time for them to actually be present when they're in the training. And then the last one, I'm going to share my earlier version of it, and then maybe you can walk through the way that we do it now. Um, either one of these would be an option. When I do private trainings, one of the things I notice is that all throughout the course of the day, there's usually employees that are having a harder and harder time because they're hearing what I'm what I'm saying, and all they're thinking about is how hard it's going to be or how it's not going to be able to work in their current organization. And they need some kind of like stress release valve inserted somewhere to help them get rid of that pressure that keeps building up. And so one of the things I've done in the past is had somebody from the PMO or, or whatever part of the organization is driving the transformation come in at the end of each day for an hour and just field the questions about how is this actually going to work here? Because it gets in the way of people understanding the ideas. And it's not necessarily that all those questions can be answered. You might just be saying, we're figuring it out, but they know that somebody's listening and they know that somebody's hearing them and that frees up their brain to be able to learn new stuff the next day, which is an important part of the classes. Um, and then we've got another way that we've done this with a couple of clients recently. Do you want to explain that one? Yeah, and I, I found this one to be really interesting and fun and, and effective in, in those situations where the upfront conversations that we have before we even do the training, it's, it's a little bit of discovery, a little bit of pre-education and alignment. So let's talk about, you know, here, here's the concept for the class, here are the learning objectives. Um, we understand where are there some similarities, where are there differences, so that we can talk about those during the class. And then even further, come back and do some kind of lean copy or application type conversations or workshops to where they take what they've learned, they can now ask questions, maybe even go practice, run into a bunch of the roadblocks, bring those back and ask questions, and we can give them, you know, examples and stories and, and, and ideas, and also challenge their leadership and internal, you know, kind of organization to maybe make some of the changes they need. Yeah. And, that, and then that way, we, we not only get to maintain the conversation, but we can help maybe help them get started with feeling like it's actually possible, help them get started with having tips on how to move past whatever their initial hurdles are. That, and I think you, you know, you're investing in not just the knowledge, there's something that you want out of that. So really as a company to get the most out of the training that you're investing in and meet the goals and solve the problems that you initially sent them to, training to uh, resolve, there, there's this ongoing conversation. There's lots of ideas and not just from us. I mean, I think the students from our classes go back with great ideas too. They just need a forum to express those. And once yeah. they do, they, they feel heard. Um, there's actually good ideas. There's great conversation. You're leading to just that virtuous cycle of empowerment and communication and, and listening. Yeah. I think one of the, I mean, just as a negative example, like one of the worst possible things you can do is send people to a class in something they're not going to be able to do and then bring them back to the office and totally ignore that they went through that experience. Like go learn how to do scrum and come back to our waterfall organization and don't do it. And like, don't th complain about it or talk about yeah, it. <laughs> right? It's just totally depressing and self-defeating. So yeah, don't, don't throw your money at that. Like actually 
yeah. actually have something you're trying to fix and invest in the time and the people and take the care, be more mindful about it. Yeah. Um, so that's it. That's all we wanted to do with this podcast was just try to give you some tips, five things you could do to make sure that you're getting more out of the training. Um, Jeff, what if they want to get in touch with you? What's the best way to reach you? Lots of ways. LinkedIn's a good way. Uh, Jeff.Howie at Leading Agile is my email address. And you can always just kind of use our training at Leading Agile email and get in touch with all of us. Okay. I'll make sure we have links to your stuff in the show notes for this. And I'm Dave Pryor at leadingagile.com. Um, you can reach me there, LinkedIn. I'll put my social media stuff in here too. Um, and if you have any topics you'd like us to cover, please send those on as well. Cause we'd like to do more of these shorter form podcasts for you. So thanks a lot for listening and hopefully we'll see you in class. Mm-hmm.